on this episode of Consider This, not will you hear a very smooth introduction by myself. That's how I begin it. But then you hear uh, from some very trusted friends of mine about how we need to think through uh, the complicated and important political season that we are in. And we are going to be doing that, not from an American perspective, but from a Christian perspective that happens to be American. I pray that this session will be a blessing to you. Listeners, I want to welcome you to another episode of Consider This. Is this real? Is that, that was your, smooth. Is that a real story? That was yes, that's very my real NPR. Did, I thought it's because it's such a controversial topic. Uh, okay. I thought I wanted to start with like a. I felt like this topic has an NPR feel to it. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Does that make sense? This is go. thought for your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> but we are here um, going to have a conversation about the Christian and politics. And I've got with me, again, uh, our three usual ex- uh, suspected suspects. Uh, Ryan Vincent, Justin Ebert, and Drew Moss, um, ministers here at Sunnybrook Christian Church. We are grateful for those of you that are listening. Let us get straight to the topic, uh, which is the Christian and politics. Um, you know, you've always heard it said, be really, really careful spending time having discussions about religion and politics because the two of them uh, really spark a lot of emotions. In some ways, they really cut to the very core in terms of who we are. So, uh, kind of the I'm the moderator since I'm the Canadian in the midst, who uh, legally is not allowed to vote next Tuesday. Um, uh, I've I've shared this a few times. I've never voted in my life, and when people ask why, it's because I moved away <laughs> from the country I was a part of um, almost any time when I when I even could vote. So it's not really been a part, but I, I care deeply for the country that I live in and I pray regularly for our leadership. But here's the original question or the first question that we're going to be dealing with today. Christianity and politics have always struggled with one another. And I'm asking the question, like, what is it about those two things? So very specifically, why do these two issues, Christianity and politics, why do they find themselves constantly closely related to one another and yet at odds with one another? So uh, how, how say you, Drew Moss? Yes, uh, um, yeah, so I was thinking about that question as you sent that out the other day, just kind of uh, wrestling through that. And I think uh, the, the reason they're closely connected, at least the intersection of these two things, okay. it's not that both of these are ultimately about this, but the, the intersection to, to use a, uh, a Tim Keller phrase that, that Ryan's not a huge fan of sometimes, but is, is this idea of human flourishing. And so both of them concern to some degree, not fully, but yep. concern yep. what is the best kind of world and how do we bring that about? So what is the, what, what is the one where uh, there's the most justice and people are the most, uh, what brings people the most joy and fulfillment, the pursuit of happiness, as the Declaration of Independence says, you know, and, and what makes things fair and secure and safe, and you know what I mean? And so sure, both of them sure. actually touch on those things, yep, yep. right? Even though they both are going to ultimately do it in different ways. Um, and then I think actually that would actually be part of why it gets complicated because they both do it in different ways and it's easy to actually confuse their roles in how that gets accomplished, right? Yeah. Um, yep. The other thing I think that makes this struggle is that they uh, is when 
one or both of them demand ultimate allegiance. Mm. And one of them does, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yep. Christianity yep. definitely does. Yep. And then oftentimes politics does. And so there's always going to be a little bit of complication with those things. So No, that's good. Well, Justin, the, what the, will you add? The desire for community, which often is talked about in tribalism, you know, this idea that we identify with certain groups. And a lot of times those Way, the way we join those groups are based on our passions and our deepest longings and affections. Yep. You know, we, we talk a lot about James K.A. Smith and his book about we aren't primarily thinking beings, and we're actually like loving, passionate beings. And so uh, you kind of see this online. You see these verbal clashes, these idea throwing, and you, you're not really actually talking to people. You're talking through people, trying to reason with them and debate them away from their ideologies. You're, you're communing out of an emotion probably primarily. And so you, you have these groups that make you feel safe and in, and religion and politics are, are where those deep emotions, those deep morals manifest themselves in real ways. And so for religious people, yes, that's there is an ultimate allegiance there. Many people, they kind of mix religion and politics, or they're not in on religion, but very much into politics, and therefore their politics almost becomes their religion. And so you have all these, like you said, these mixing of people and into tribes and the clashing. And you even have people from like one church who have very different political ideas yep, yep. and or people from one party that may have very different religious ideas. Mm. And so it just be, it creates this conflict because it's this manifestation of your deepest values and morals. Dude, can I I'll just jump in on that and say that's probably even like one of the one of the things that makes it a struggle is the beauty that is the church, which is that the church when it's right is not going to be um, is not going to just look like one tribe, yes. right? Yes. So that yes. the church, yes. by its definition, is supposed to include yeah. different tribes. And you can, I mean that like uh, literal, like physical genetic descent tribes and <laughs> tribes of like different opinions and ideas yeah. on life that you're going to bring people who don't have any business loving each other and being in the same room with each other in any other sphere ought to still be able to do that because of our ultimate connection and allegiance to Jesus. And so that does make it Christianity and politics complicated is that people with very differing opinions are yeah. going to be hanging out together more, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Or ought to be. Yeah, and we're, and we're calling them in to, to, to one fellowship, yeah. right? We're, yeah. we're not just saying um, that there's a, kind of a, a generic benefit. We're actually recognizing that Jesus is bringing competing ideas together and then teaching us to love one another, or yeah. as Paul says in Ephesians chapter uh, chapter 4, to bear with one another. Yeah. So you have the bearing with one another aspect, which I, I think is so critical. Ryan, what do you uh, anything you want to add to that first yeah. question about how there is this strange, close relatedness, and yet it doesn't just bring them together beautifully. Yeah. There is like this... this uh, Attraction repulsion idea with 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 Christianity and, and politics. Yeah, and I wonder if they they function in societies in such similar ways that the 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 friction comes when they when they deviate from one another. Because I think that people are um, naturally wired up by a God who loves order and puts chaos together in such that it's very orderly. People naturally, I think, love hierarchies and authority structures. And so when then you think about, so if in, the, in say, the, the, the Christian 
version of the religious side of, of life. You have like the head of everybody is Christ, and then he mediates his authority through elders and pastors, and people know who they follow. And then on the um, political religious side of life, you have a president who mediates his authority through congressmen and governors and, and elected representatives, and people know who they follow. And that kind of creates this um, very real tension when people decide what tribe to fall into, because you know, it can be rather easy if you're apathetic to the religious side to just pick a pick a team and, and run in that lane for a while. But then I find that religious people, they they are in this tribe that um, they trust Jim and then the other elders at this church that ultimately are leading them to, to know and love Jesus, and that's their stream. And then they also live in this world. Yeah. And that stuff, like we've already pointed out, just there's there's friction at a lot of moments when you have two systems that, if you want to get really, really technical, create absolute ethical norms that everybody is expected to abide by. And then, you know, the four of us find ourselves as citizens of both and trying to navigate where they don't always align. So right now in America, um, for lots of different reasons, it's a difficult time. Um, and I, I've heard a, a lot. I, I really think I hear this every four years now, which doesn't make it necessarily not true. Um, but this is the most important election in our lifetime. I've heard that a number of times, or maybe even like in American history, which I think is a little bit of an overstatement. But um, maybe it is the most complicated and most important election in our lifetime. I mean, possibly. Um, I think we'll find out later on. I've got hopefully a few more years that I'm even going to be living. Um, but there's a lot that's happening that we're all very aware of. Ryan, I'm going to begin with this. What makes the current situation, uh, this this conversation, both complicated and yet also so important? On the complicated side, there's a lot of uh, work coming out from sociologists or cultural commentators or analysts that are saying that over the last... 20-ish years, American culture has taken on a bit of a new flavor in terms of how we relate to one another, especially when we disagree with one another. And so there's a, a great book by a man named Alan Jacobs called How to Think, and he introduced the idea. It wasn't original to him, but he coined a phrase that really describes it well, is that we have become, uh, by and large, a society where when we disagree, it's no longer uh, a civil discourse. It's no longer, well, you know, we can just agree to disagree. It's now I will villainize those who disagree with me. And he says we can actually quickly get to the point where we think of those um, that don't agree with us as being subhuman and lesser than and just the, the, um, the unenlightened. And so he coined this phrase um, called the repugnant cultural other. And he says we've gone from a, a really a very pluralistic nation or society, the West maybe, um, we've gone from a pluralistic society that really embraces a lot of different and even opposing viewpoints yep. to one that thinks of everything in shades of only black and white. And if you don't, um, if you don't align with me, then you don't get it. And I'm not even going to entertain your opinion until you become, and they love this phrase, until you come over to the right side of history. Yeah. And so that, that changing ethos in the American people 
has then filtered through the political systems, and that's exactly how politicians function. Uh, maybe they've always functioned in some sense that way, but now it just seems like it's the only way to operate, is to completely dehumanize those that you don't agree with. I think that's a great... We call them RCOs here. We That book really helped us think about communicating and loving others that we might not agree with. Um, and we don't just even mean within the community. There is something... Uh, I believe that can be helpful for us as we look at a world that we're trying to share the good news of Jesus Christ with. And do we see them just as demons mm -hmm. since they don't think like us or behave like us? And so I think there, Alan Jacobs is actually a believer, and I think that book has been really, really helpful uh, for us. So that idea of the repugnant cultural other and how do we see them um, as human. Mm -hmm. Very, very helpful. Justin, anything you want to add in terms of the either the complicated or the uh, important nature of uh, this time and why we need to even have a podcast with this topic. Yeah, the deep emotions that manifest themselves through... I don't even know that this is new. I'm not old enough to know if this is new. Probably not wise enough. It seems like, looking back just briefly on history, we've always had a little bit of a pluralistic society. Like we, we had a group that wanted to leave one country, come to another. And then when they got to this country, there was immediate friction with the people who were here first. And then even within that group of people that came, eventually there was a big divide and we had a war over those things. Um, people living in neighborhoods based on what their country of origin is and gangs based on those things and violence based on different colors of skin. Um, it seems a little bit like we can easily say the good old days, and I just don't know how much like the good old days were a real thing as much as something that we create. And yet it does seem like there is a continued lack of civility in our nation mm -hmm. to where you, you mentioned this phrase just a second ago, people kind of are naturally drawn toward hierarchy and authority. I think that's probably true, and yet it does seem like there's a growing number of people that are just desiring and trying to create anarchy and chaos. Mm -hmm. you know, or and, a hierarchy where they're on top. Yeah, a hierarchy where they're on top. They just, they just don't like the, the power and authority, so they want to flip it upside down, which, yeah, I think you're probably right about that. And so, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of this is human nature. And to think that somehow the right person in office is going to fix it is so crazy. And yet that's kind of what we assume, that yeah. going into this Tuesday, everything is on the line. This is the biggest moment in history. If you don't vote, you're foolish, and you got to vote for the right person or you're foolish. Yeah. And, 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 and in that sense, like, I don't know that I believe that. Like, I'm not saying it's not a big deal. I just don't know that it's like the moment in history yeah. that we've all been waiting for and everything's going to change as a result of it. Yeah, you know, I think, and and Drew mentioned it uh, a little bit in his lesson from Wednesday night a few um, a few weeks ago. If you would, uh, if you yeah, would I I really recommend that you guys go back and take a look at what yeah what on, Drew taught on. It's on the Sunnybrook Media page on Facebook, and if you go back to October sixteenth, he taught a great lesson on. Um, Christianity and politics from a little bit more of a nuanced perspective. But one of the things that he pointed out and one of the things that I plan to um, kind of cover again, maybe even a little differently in this coming message um, on Sunday, the Sunday before the election, is the fact that we have in our, um, in our nationalistic American syncretism, we have started to endow the United States with 
characteristics and qualities that are reserved really for the only eternal kingdom that exists. And so we start to think of the United States as something that will carry on perpetually. It'll just never, like, so we have to fix it now because it's going to go forever. And it matters more than anything because it is the most powerful and eternal thing. And we won't put those words to it, but our language betrays the fact that deep down we start to think of it like that. And, um, Historically speaking, we're on the backside of the empire. I mean, this is like America will one day pass away. Like that's it just won't exist at some point 100 years from now, 300 years from now, 2000 years from now. I don't know. But um, we talk about it as if it's going to go forever. And I think that gets us into a little bit of trouble. Drew, anything you want to add in terms of uh, the complicated or important? Um, yeah, I think I feel like there's so many different ways we can think about this. Uh, you know, I think it's it's complicated because of of what these guys said about uh, the divide um, and the polarization, uh, the the villainization of people. But it's you know, it's not just even kind of the uh, the hatred for the other side, but this like increasing ideological purity in which. Um, if you, you know, the, the phrase that's been in my mind recently is kind of like, if you're not with us in everything, you can't be with us in anything. Yeah, yeah. And it's this idea of like, you can't, unless you tow the party line on every part, yep. then you're just, then that just shows that actually you're just kind of this closet liberal or you're this closet Republican or fascist or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, and the, the, the idea is that you've got to come all the way over to this side. And so it really does leave very little room, um, to find uh, to find a political home for Christians, like yeah. you know, that we don't have like much of a space where we just go, you know what, dude, I, I there's things over here I I, I buy and I agree with, and there are things over here I buy and agree with. That we're not given that option. You've got to yeah. go all the way one or the other, and so that gets really hard, you know. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about this phrase, the the most important election in history, you know. And at first, I rolled my eyes, and and I still do a little bit, just because everything is always the most important <laughs> ever. You know what I mean? But you know, maybe it is. I just like I. The question, though, that I think we have to answer is why is it important? Like, what is at stake here? And and so the answer may be that, that the state of America, the future d- direction of this country is at stake. And if so, that is important. Yeah. But that's not, we just also have to remember that that's not the most important. <laughs> um, or like we may lose freedoms. If, if the wrong person gets in office, then we're going to lose some valuable freedoms. And I'm not saying that that doesn't matter. It's just uh, not the most important thing to us. Yeah. I, I, the, I read this, uh, I listened to this thing from John Piper, and he was asked why he's not more political in general, you know. And he just said, he had this phrase, he said, I am a million times more concerned with um, helping to create a church that is faithful in a socialist America than I am in preventing a socialist America. And and, and he would add to that totally. a, a fascist America than sure. I am in preventing a fascist America. There's just some things that matter to me more than the direction of our country. And, and so it is important. And I'm not going to say that freedoms and, and the direction of our country isn't a big deal, but it isn't the biggest deal, you know? Well, and that's where, um, you know, I, 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 I'll, I'll take it even to a, a, a very important issue for me and I believe for us as a church um, that is in so many ways at, 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 at some level of heart at, the, at this election is honestly the abortion issue, right? So that just keeps coming up. When are you going to talk about it? Do you want to talk more about it? And I've had a very similar 
John Piper type answer to that, which is there's two ways in which I can wrestle with this issue. And one is what do I do and how do I live my life or how does my voting, if I could vote, how do I do that in such a way that the Supreme Court justices become A, B, and C, and D, and E so that there's enough so that the 5-4 overturns Roe v. Wade. Like that's one way in which we can actually believe um, through legislation and then through the judicial process, we can rectify the injustice that exists in the world. And when I look at what I can do and what I cannot do, I'm far more interested, and I believe I've been far more called and challenged to speak to the church in which we create a way in which we look at life that honors God and has a, a, a biblical perspective in terms of the value of life and the importance of life that I don't believe I am called to legislate that as much as I am to create a church that lifts up the value of life and that teaches husbands and wives and men and women to value life in such a way that that is not that is not a, an issue that we have per se. How do, yeah. So how do we create that context? And I've, yeah. I've really thought that I think that's why I'm less political is, and I like how Piper said that, I'm far more interested in how the church can manifest um, the, the qualities of Christ instead of the outside in, I believe it's the inside out. Yeah, and I like you even saying like, I am like I don't feel called as sure. much to ensure legislation yeah. as much as helping our church be faithful in this. And that's not to say that everyone has to have the same degree of focus on totally that stuff and less degree. Like I, I can be also grateful for brothers and sisters who do feel a calling to help impact laws and legislation yep. and stuff like that. Yeah, I can, I'm not asking I can, for everybody else to follow my path. Yeah. Um, and we do need people all along the way. And that's why I continue to pray that we will have and to pray for the ones that we do have yeah. at the, at the political and judicial yeah. legislative levels. And that gets back to kind of the, ideological question, which is um, when you have a really robust, even black and white, red and blue ideology, you don't have room in the ideology often to let people like swim in those streams as they see fit. It is, it is a little bit of a, if you're not completely with us, you're against us. And so that's where, again, getting back to this world where we have the repugnant cultural others, I, I don't even have a lot of room if I think that way for others who are mostly with me to to vary a little bit. It is I have it figured out, and that's a that's a disease that's rampant in this country. So my my next question I'm going to ask Justin. I'll begin with you on this one, which is so uh, if if you are you're listening to this podcast and you are a committed follower of Jesus Christ, is next Tuesday a no-brainer for you? Like, do you just go, I'm a follower of Jesus, therefore the decision that I make is a no-brainer? Is it, is, it that, uh, is it that simple? Is it that predictable? I don't think so, and yet I think a lot of people think that. I've heard, I mean, people say, I don't know how you can be a Christian and vote for this person from both a Democrat yeah. and a Republican. Yep. Those things both can't be true at the same time. Yep. You know, and so there there are people who are convinced that the Christian option is this person. I just don't know if that's true. And even then, like, so not just choosing between A or B, do you write down a third party candidate who you know um, isn't going to win? 
And so it kind of feels like a wasted vote in that sense. Sure. Do you not vote sure. because you can't support either of those major candidates? Sure. Because you do feel like you're swimming in the sea and you highly disagree with this person on these things and highly disagree with this person on those. And even these third party candidates, I can't I don't know that I feel comfortable writing my name and saying I approve of this person. Like I support this person. Like that's what you're doing when you vote. And, and some people can kind of separate those things and say, you know, I don't support them as a human or, yeah, I disagree with them on that issue. But by and large, because they're my tribe, they're my party, I'm good with that. And, and I just don't know if that's easy, easy for me. I, I have a hard time personally um, justifying some of those ideas. And so I really don't know that it is a clear cut. This is your option if you're a Christian. I think if you're a Democrat, there are some things you really need to answer for me why you're so supportive of that party. I think if you're a Republican, there's some very serious things you need to answer for me about that party or that that about Donald Trump, right? And so what I think we need to do, and maybe this will be better for the next question, but actually talk about how to get back to civil discourse, as you titled, you said earlier, of how do we actually begin to think, and how do we actually begin to converse, and even be able to disagree, to be able to sit across the table from someone disagrees with you, and not just throw ideas over or through someone, but actually like try to think about something from someone else's perspective, repeat it in a way that they agree with, and have a civil, honest conversation where you can even, at the end of it, say, we disagree and let's have dinner now. I, I just That seems to be lost so often. You don't yep. talk about politics, religion, or money, because if you do, it's just going to cause division. That's yep. it's crazy to me. So, so Drew, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to agree with him that it's it's not a no-brainer. It's complicated. Um, if you, you know me well enough. You know there is no decision that is a no-brainer. <laughs> uh, it's always complicated. Uh, so expand a little bit my more. My shoes this morning. <laughs> when I had to choose my shoes, it was, it was complicated. They look, uh, they're working for you, bro. <laughs> they're working for you. Um, so, but talk a little bit more about that. About I don't know if you want to yeah. kind of either confront that or to say, hey, listen, I get why you are saying this. Can I give you another way in which I really, just brother or sister in Christ, yeah. please consider this. Um, and uh, Yeah. Here's what I think. I think the issue is that there, there are some things that ought to be obvious for us and ought to be okay. like that we can't budge on, all right? Like, so I don't think, I don't think as Christians we can... Uh, compromise on like the sanctity of life for for the unborn and for and for the marginalized or sure. for minorities. You know what I mean? Like so, we, yep. we other really, injustices. Yes, yep. we can't give on that, right? Yep. And yep. we can't. I mean, we see that God is a God of justice, and so we can't give on. We can't give in on things like justice and and fairness and all that. And we see throughout Scripture that God uh, God loves the poor. And, and not that there's anything extra spiritual about being poor, but God has a heart for the down and the out. Yep. And so, like, I really, and, and it seems like Christians are called to care for those things. So, yep. like, we can't, I don't think we can give on those things and just go, well, the unborn don't matter that much or the poor don't matter that much. Um, those things that if we're Christians, we should all be in on that. You know what I mean? But one of the things you've helped me see, Jim, is that... Um, Hopefully, and and I want to assume the best of my Christian brothers and sisters that yeah. uh, you know what I mean that that we do all care about those things. But politics oftentimes is is a matter of uh, how we take care of those needs rather than instead of 
whether we should or not, right? Yeah. And that's what yeah. a lot of times we paint it. We, we like to confuse uh, method or means with morality. Yeah. And we like to say, well, if you're voting this, that means you just don't care about the poor or you just don't care about the unborn. But oftentimes what politics is is trying to figure out what's the best way to care f- to provide a just society. Yes. What's the best way to care for the poor? And we differ on how to get there. Um, you know, kind of like w- just a couple weeks ago, we had to... Um, move, we moved into my house. We moved, uh, you know, some of you guys came over and helped me move. And we got this catwalk and a spiral staircase. So how are we going to get a couch up onto this catwalk? Right. And, <laughs> and some, you know, Jim might say we need ladders yeah. and a team to do it. And, and Justin might say we need a rope and pulley, but I hope neither of them are going to say, how dare you, you sick person for thinking we should use a rope and pulley. You know what I mean? It's like, no, both of us want the same thing, yes. but we have different, we disagree on how to best do that. And yeah. and that's I'm not saying that that's true in every case in politics, but a lot of times that is. Well, and I think it's even more true in our tribe. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I mean that by Christian tribe. Yeah. I think it really is more true. I've not met a person at Sunnybrook who is against caring for the poor or who has said to me, I am so pro-choice, yeah. I, I've not had that person come to me. Yeah. And in the end, it's, but, but there's still a venom on both sides of the political aisle that is arguing pulleys versus ladders that I think is, um, is blind to their brother or sister yeah. on the other side and is blind to the complexity of the situation. And so I like that example. Yeah. I think about, like, I don't know, the tendencies of... If you're more liberal-leaning, you you would probably say you have a more global mindset. I, I care about not just this country, but the world. And we want to make sure this world is cared for for our next generation. So, therefore, we need to make policies that help care for the actual earth. Yep. And that's a really important thing. Yep. And somebody who may be more conservative might say, it's not that I don't care about the globe, but our nation is what we're here and called to protect. And so we do need to have stricter border policies, and we do need to have better jobs and a better economy. And so you have these varied um, priorities, right? And so it's maybe not that a Republican would say the world doesn't matter and that a Democrat would say our country doesn't matter, but you have different priorities. And then the Christians, this maybe goes back to our first question. The Christian comes along and say, we kind of, we, yeah, sure, we can be thankful for our country. And yes, we do have a global perspective, but we also have like a, a universal, hopefully like a transcendent kingdom mind. And so again, gets back into why do these things clash? Because these are varied priorities. And you see that. And we, we don't think through that well to almost get to what you're saying of we kind of do want similar things. We just disagree on how to get there. And yet along the way, we shame people and we treat people so poorly that it doesn't allow for further conversation to see where we actually do align, where we do have a heart passion that aligns up. And we can agree to disagree on how to get there longing for the same thing. It doesn't seem like there is much of that. Ryan, anything you want to add in terms of um, I think you're going to agree it's not a no-brainer. If it were that simple, this podcast would be 27 minutes or, or 27 seconds long yeah. instead of 27 minutes long. I mean, so what, what would you add uh, kind of helping our people see that since it's not a no-brainer, therefore bring this level of empathy or bring this level of consideration to the conversation? Yeah. Well, I, I will uh... – I'll speak as Ryan, and so this is not in any official capacity, because I I do agree with everything that's already been said here, Um, but maybe I can illustrate just one way that that works itself out, and there are numerous other ways to do this and remain, like, firm in your convictions and not betray your conscience and stuff, but as Justin listed, the various options. 
um, for the last three elections, and um, this will make it four in a row. I have gone to vote, and I have voted on everything except the presidential, like I've, I've left that blank. Um, in large part because I have found every presidential candidate that I've been offered in the two-party system to have, like I've had such a moral concern with their character that I could not endorse them. And then I'll hear this response. Yes, but we don't want to, like the presidency is not a moral position. It's not like a pastor. And then my answer is usually, but the problem is they all keep claiming to be Christians. And I have a really hard time throwing any endorsement behind people that I find to be so brazenly immoral, borderline evil in many cases, um, that does, just doesn't match the confession that they make. And so, as Drew pointed out, sometimes it's just that we can, um, we can decide that whatever happens, I'm going to learn how to be a faithful Christian under that regime. And so, for both... Um, both elections where Obama won, I did not vote for the president. And in Trump's election that he won, I did not vote for the president. And I'm unlikely to change my mind in the next six or seven days in this one. Five. Mostly because I find that they are all, like these men, as so long as they confess to represent Christ, and I believe do a terrible job of actually representing him, I have a hard time throwing any support behind them. So that's, that's Ryan's version of it, and I'm not telling anyone else to feel those convictions. So that's kind of what I've sorted out. I've never even actually told my wife to feel the same convictions. I sure. let her have the, the freedom to, to do it, and I don't think she shares the same convictions I do. So It's interesting how <clears throat> I, I've, I brought this up years ago. Probably the first time I came here, it was an elect, it's, it, I came in an election year, 2004, and I made a statement in the fall of that year. I made the statement that... Uh, the one who is on the throne is more, meaning God, is more important than the one who is on the at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, right? And so let let you remember that. And so may that bring peace on not just Tuesday but Wednesday afterwards. And may there be a greater sense and appreciation for um, God and how He works sovereignly through complicated political systems. And and I, I try to give that. And I I make that statement on a regular basis. And I always get people that come up to me and they say. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. And then they pause and then they go, but you don't understand if it <laughs> And then they kind of lose it. Yeah. And I've seen it. I've seen or I've heard other people say, hey, I'm concerned about so-and-so in our fellowship because they almost want to give lip service to this idea that it is God's sovereignty that ultimately matters. And then they proceed in the next few moments to lose their minds mm -hmm. and say, but you don't under, and I can see it in them. I can see the fear in them. I can see the anger in them. Um, it, it's like when, when somebody says, I don't know how, and you can hear it in their voice, right? I don't know how anybody, if they're going to be a Christian, I don't know. And it's like, I, I believe more of the, I can't see how. I, I really am focusing on the you here. Because I do believe it's more complicated. You're just expressing maybe something that is a, a weakness or an obsession. And I've, I've been there. This is an obsession in you hmm. more than it is maybe a true statement about the situation. So for those people who cannot see it any other way but this one way, um, I want to say, wow, because I know a lot of very faithful believers who see it differently. So I really would caution you to, to assess your... Uh, obsession. Um, and I, I love the fact that you guys aren't saying it doesn't matter at all. Like, um, I, I hope that we're giving uh, a consistent witness that these things do matter, that prayerfully, 
in the context of community having conversations about religion and politics. And final thought, um, as we're wrapping this up, so then what do we do next Wednesday? What are some things that we're uh, going to be doing next Wednesday, no matter what? Drew? Um, okay, I, I got three answers, but I'm stealing them all from the Bible. So <laughs> uh, I take no credit for these. Uh, first is honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters, fear God, honor the emperor. And that's First yeah. Peter 2.17. Yeah. And I think that method of thinking uh, that I want to honor everyone, so I'm not going to talk crap about a lot of people. I definitely want to love the brothers and sisters. I want to fear God and trust him above all things. And then I want to honor whoever our president is at that time. Um, Can I, I say, I'm going to say this. That is, why I, that is why I respect you and that is why I value you. Hmm. Like there's something about that that is endearing to me, and I mean that. Well, you you can uh, I'll pass that on to Peter. He gave me that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll give you one more. I'll give you a couple more. One is uh, Psalm one forty six three: Do not trust in princes, in a son of man who cannot save. Um, and so, uh, if your guy wins, don't get too excited. If your guy loses, don't get too sad. Because um, these are human beings. That's kind of what the text will go on to say. These are human. Put your trust in God and what He can do. Um, then the last one would be just from First Timothy two, and I'll just paraphrase, which is I urge that inter- yeah. prayers and intercessions be made for everyone, for kings and emperors, those who rule over us, so that we may live um, godly and quiet lives. And then He goes on to say, and this pleases God, who wants all men to be saved, who wants everyone to be saved. And so there's something about we're praying for these things for the kingdoms that we live in. We're praying in those things uh, for the sake of the kingdom of God being advanced, that, yeah. the, that as we pray for rulers of these kingdoms, that it can open doors and make paths for, for Christ's kingdom to come and reign in, in where we are. So those would be my three pieces. Uh, love it. Justin, anything? Since Drew essentially took everything that could be said. Top the Bible, Justin. Yeah, Justin, uh. what... what what do you add besides oh, everything the Bible feel speaks like about? like this is a trap. <laughs> um, I think don't give lip service to the sovereignty of God. Actually believe in the sovereignty of God. And don't give lip service to this desired nation you want to live in. So what I mean in the sovereignty piece, uh, God sent a guy named Cyrus. That was God's man, okay? Ryan loves to tell a story of somebody who said, we finally got God's man in the office. And I think Ryan's answer was great. You do know if the other guy would have won, it would still be God's man in the office. (laughs) Okay, so trusting in the sovereignty of God means that no matter what temporary circumstance we have here, like he is over all of it. He is transcendent over all of it. And we will be fine. The church will not be uh, decimated in the sense. We may be killed physically, but like we're good. Yeah. We have a hope beyond this life, no matter who is in uh, the seat of power of the government that's ruling at the time. So don't just give lip service to the sovereignty of God. And then don't give lip service to this desired end you like to see in this country. If you want poor people to be helped, then go help someone. Okay. If you want to see life lifted up, then go serve someone who is in the adoption process, or maybe think about fostering somebody. Maybe you should consider supporting some of these agencies who help people who can't afford it themselves to get childcare services. Um, quit just 
voting and thinking that's your civic duty, actually probably we need to do a better job actually walking across the street to our neighbor and showing them um, acts of love and kindness. So those would be my two things. Love it. Ryan? Um, the one, one consistent piece of advice that I've been asking people to consider is to stop catastrophizing things <laughs> and uh, to make it an all whoa, or nothing. Wait a second here. But then I have, what am I going to do with my social media? I recommend you sign out. That's okay. kind of my just thing. Checking. Just checking. Um, but Drew pointed overreact. that out. You know, don't get too high. Don't get too low. You know, kind of even take stock of it before the results roll in on Tuesday evening or, you know, they say it could take six weeks for them to really sort out. Whatever. But <laughs> think about it ahead of time and ask, if my guy wins, am I going to be overly elated? And if my guy loses, will I be devastated? And if either of those things is true, I would say you're probably violating the first commandment and that you're, you're stepping into idolatry. But nevertheless, on Wednesday, um, I just encourage people to kind of memorize and then meditate on and repeat and even say out loud to yourself all day long on Wednesday, Philippians 3.20. But yeah. our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. The advice that Paul gave to a church that had some opponents, they were primarily of a theological bent in terms of their opposition. But nevertheless, Paul's encouragement was, we won't live here long. Put your eyes on something greater. Last additional piece, probably just delete social media. That'd be a good option on Wednesday. Just <laughs> click delete on that thing. Just even stepping, honestly, I even recommend you step away from it even for like a month. Like if it, it's not forever, like I get it. I, I mean, I've stepped out of it, but if you're still in it, I, it's not it, It's not the problem. Um, it's it's how we're using it that's the problem. I mean, my, our, my prayer for Sunnybrook, for our family, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, um, is that we model Christ. We give witness to who he is um, and that we remember just the value and the importance that he really is king. I loved your statement about lip service, Justin, that I've, I've met a lot of people over the last number of years. There's been a lot of controversy in our country about immigration issues. And I've had people in my office deeply concerned about what we are or are not doing with immigration issues. And still to a person, when I give them an opportunity to make a difference in this one particular vein that I care a lot about, I have had yet anybody to take me up on it, which I, I don't know exactly what they did when they left my office, but I found it very interesting. A lot of us, I think, can be guilty. I can be guilty of caring more about the idea of. And so we become ideologues. We become people that are arguing on these disconnected principles. I love the idea, the challenges. So, for example, if you really do care about the abortion issue and therefore I can't vote because I believe this about the abortion issue. There is a community that cares about that. There is a, uh, a ministry that deeply cares about that. There are people around us that we can still make a difference. Um, and I love that. And that happens in every way. You don't have to let uh, Washington or Oklahoma City or even um, City Hall <laughs> That's not where everything resides. It's, uh, those are manifestations of a sovereign God. The, the one thing and the last thing I'll add is I've, I've noticed that sometimes, Drew, you mentioned a couple of times to pray for, to pray for. I, I, I hear people say this, yeah, but what about, and it's like they don't know what prayer is. Prayer does not somehow remove the responsibilities that I have, but it recognizes the limits that I have responsibilities for. That's what prayer does. So prayer isn't something that I do because I can't do anything else. 
prayer is something that in light of everything that I have done to be obedient to who Jesus Christ is, I now then commend everything else to the Lord and to his sovereign control. Um, And so uh, know that we are praying for you as you uh, try to determine uh, what you're going to be doing next Tuesday. Um, Our ultimate prayer, though, is that God is glorified um, by uh, even not just what you do, but the process, uh, how you do it. And that on Wednesday, that we as a church would give uh, the right witness to the world that's looking at us. People are looking at you as to how you're going to respond to this election. Be like Jesus. Amen? Amen. We love you guys.